y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith America podcast, volume 15. We have a killer show for you guys today. Florida State head football coach Willie Taggart is my guest, and I can't wait for you guys to hear my conversation with Coach Taggart. He couldn't say no to Florida State. I can't wait for you guys to hear why. But before we get to Coach Taggart, I want to talk to you guys about Kalo rings. That's the functional wedding ring. I wear it myself. Laney wears one. Most of my family wears them. They are the functional wedding ring. Unlike your traditional metal rings, Kalo is made from silicone. That allows you to keep your ring on. At times, you would typically have to take your metal wedding ring off. You'd have to take it off. Kalo rings allow people to live their lives safely and comfortably while still representing their commitment to their spouse and family. I've worn them for years. I'm an avid triathlete. I love endurance sports. I've run a bunch of marathons. I love to cycle. I just love being outside, fishing, hunting, all that stuff. And I can just have my ring on and never worry about it. I just got some brand new ones for the 4th of July. You know what they look like? They sent me a red one. It says USA on it, Travis. And they sent me a blue one. And it has stars on it, son. So I, I got the America rings from Kalo that I'll wear on the 4th of July. And it's not just me. Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, Jordy Nelson, Derek Carr, all those guys that are NFL stars, they wear them in games. NBA stars, Steph Curry, Isaiah Thomas, Harrison Barnes, they wear them. Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Chris Bryant in Major League Baseball. My guys, Sam Hunt and Jason Aldean. If you're a firefighter, policeman, military, first of all, thank you. Can't thank you guys enough for your service to the community. You guys should be wearing Kalo. They're perfect for your active jobs. Carpenters, construction workers, electricians, mechanics, you guys should be wearing them. Men and women in the gym, out of the gym, they're perfect because they're functional. Hundreds of professional athletes, Olympians, MMA fighters, CrossFit champions, pro surfers, perfect for you guys being outside doing what you love. 18 different styles and 50 different colors, you're going to find the ring you want at Kalo.com. That's Q-A-L-O.com, Kalo.com, and they're in retail stores too, nationwide, including Academy Sports and Outdoor, Bass Pro, REI, and Dicks. But if you go to Kalo.com and use the promo code MARTY, you get 15% off. Q-A-L-O.com, promo code MARTY for 15% off. Now... Tremendous conversation with one of the rising stars in college football coaching, Florida State's head coach, Willie Taggart. Here's our conversation. Pleasure to have brand new Florida State Seminoles head football coach, Willie Taggart, with us. And, Coach, thank you for your time, first of all. It's an honor to get to talk to you. And very simply, let's get started with your mission at Florida State. I want you to define it for me. My mission here is is to win multiple championships in a first-class manner. Very simple, and I say win championships in everything we do, you know, whether it's in the classroom, socially, and, and on the football field. You know, we know that's the standard here at Florida State, especially on the football field, and we we expect that in everything we do. Yeah, you said first-class manner. Define that. What's that mean? Well, just doing doing what's right, you know, and treating people how you want to be treated, you know, and, and not making any excuses for not for not doing it the right way, you know. So um, helping helping grow our young men and, and to men and, and not just football players and to where they can leave here and, and not only have a degree but have a job waiting on them. And, and to me that's um, doing it in a first-class manner and doing doing what we, we say we would do as coaches. Brother, you walk into Oregon, it's college football Disneyland. 
I mean, it's it's insane there from a facilities perspective, a support perspective. So why was leaving Oregon for Florida State the right decision for you? Well, this is a place where I always wanted to be. Um, when I started coaching, this is, it was a goal of mine to be the head football coach at Florida State one day. And uh, not in a million years I thought I was going to open um, this past season, you know, and, and uh, unfortunately, fortunately, um, it did open. And unfortunately, I guess for being out at Oregon, that that it opened. But um, it's just a place that I grew up um, um, loving Florida State University and, and um, a place I always wanted to be and the only place I would have left Oregon for. Uh, that leads me right into the next thing I want to discuss. I mean, you're a Florida guy, right? Yes, Nine-star quarterback in Bradenton as a high school kid. <laughs> How does this position at FSU align with those childhood dreams? Oh, uh, it's great. Like I say, that's Growing up, I mean, uh, pretty much everyone in my household was a Florida State fan, and uh, it's crazy how I lost my, lost my dad last last summer, and he was a um, Florida State fanatic, you know, and um, and he didn't necessarily get to see all of this, but um, just growing up again, just um, it was always Florida State, and and um, you just grew to love it. It's, it's amazing how many people um, live here in the state of Florida who've never been to a game at Florida State, but um, they're the biggest fans in the world. <laughs> Uh, it's, I, just, it's something special. I usually hesitate to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> ask what your dad might think. One of my best friends is Dale Earnhardt Jr., mm-hmm. and I've asked him many times in a million interviews over the years, man, what do you think your dad would think about this? And he's like, man, I don't know. I can't answer for him. But, I, I mean, nobody knows your dad like you do. Mm-hmm. So he's this FSU fanatic growing up. I imagine you spent a lot of Saturdays together watching the Knowles. What, what would he think about this, Willie? Uh, he'll, he'll be proud. You know, he'll, he'll sit back and say, my boy. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and uh, I'm sure he's looking down on a, a nice hundred yard HD TV, uh, <laughs> looking down proud and, and and excited and and doing the um, tomahawk chop up and up there with the good Lord. Man, when you lose your dad, I lost my dad ten years ago. April 25th was ten years, and no matter what your relationship is with them, you sort of lose this compass because mm-hmm. if you have a if you know your old man has the right answer, mm-hmm. how have you dealt with that loss? Um, I, I keep a picture with him um, that that we've had. Um, it was really, I tell you what, um, before my dad passed, um, I I spent a lot of time with him and and got a lot of video of us talking and uh, communicating with each other. And, and I have a lot of that on, on my phone. So um, when I do have those moments, I can go back and hear his voice, see us talking, and and that helps. You know, I think the the biggest thing that I miss. Uh, from a dad is every time, I mean, every time we talked on the phone before we hung up the phone, he said, make sure you take care of your family. You know, and that was something that always stuck out to me is make sure you take care of your family. And, and, uh, that's something I pride myself on doing. And, and, um, again, that's just how he was. When you work in sports like we do, work life balance is not easy. It is a challenge. So how do you balance it? Well, um, you got to have priorities, you know, um, Luckily for me, I don't I don't have a lot of things I like to do, you know, other than uh, working and 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 um, taking care of guys here and, and being with my family. So whenever they're downtime, my family get all of that, you know, and um, they'll 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 give me the privilege of going out and play a little golf every now and then. But other than <laughs> that, um, um, they get all of my time. I'm I'm there to support my my boys as they play sport, and I have a, a three year old daughter who I'm sure will be into something and. I enjoy going to support her and, and, and support my wife and whatever they, they do, but I feel like I, I owe them that, and, and luckily I don't have a lot of hobbies, so I can really enjoy just, just being with them. Dance recitals, man. Get ready. 
Trust me, I got I got I got nine and six. <laughs> Trust me on the dance recitals. Uh, what's your handicap? Uh, it's handy and it's cap. <laughs> Mine's my golf game. I feel you, brother. My handicap's my golf game. <laughs> Hired December fifth. Introduced December sixth. What stands out most to you during that six or so months at FSU so far? Um, what stands out? I think the the love everyone has for this university and and uh, the passion. Uh, everyone have I mean you go around town it's just everyone is nice I mean everyone says the same thing I think it's just a Tallahassee thing is welcome to Tallahassee welcome to Tallahassee <laughs> welcome to Tallahassee and I'm like that's pretty cool you know everywhere you go you hear it and it's just uh very welcoming but um again you understand the expectations and, and everybody wants to see it and and um you, you just feel it here I mean it's, it's a lot of excitement put me in the room the day you met Bobby Bowden what'd you guys discuss um, actually, it was pretty, I was pretty nervous. Um, I went over to his house. We finally, um, our schedule matched up to where he was in town and, and I was here because of recruiting. Um, I got a chance to go over and, and meet with him. And to be honest with you, Marty, I was nervous. So I took two of his former players that's on my staff. I took them with me. <laughs> you know, so, uh, we went over and, uh, I mean, from the time we opened the door, he just made you feel welcoming, um, coming in and it was pretty cool to sit beside him and listen to Odell Hagens and Greg Fry and Coach Bowden talk about some um, old games and halftime and, and recruitment and Coach Bowden like remembers everything like it was yesterday and um, and it was it was cool for me because I remember some of the games they were talking about, but not necessarily knowing what was going on in the locker room. To hear that was 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 really great. And then just um, I know that we sat and talked, and he talked about how he hadn't hadn't been around uh, practice or anything in about eight or nine years, and um, he said he just didn't want um, or Coach Fisher uh, to think that he was looking over his shoulder. And you, you understand that part too. But um, I told Coach. Coach Bowden, that I want him looking over my shoulder, um, and he thought I want him to be around. I want our players to to be able to to witness a living legend, you know. And if he see anything out there, let me know. Huh? Uh, whatever I know, he he knows exactly what it takes to win, and I'm sure he can, he can help with that. But um, he'll always have a parking spot. He'll always have a golf cart for whenever he wants to come out and 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 watch us practice or watch us play. Why were you nervous? Um, because he was again growing up. Um. Loving Florida State, he's a big reason why I love Florida State and, and how he transformed his, his program and, and made it into a winner and made it to where everybody cared and wanted to be here. I mean, just growing up, he was an idol, and uh, the first time where you, you, you get to, to meet him, and not only meet him, you're meeting him in a position that he was in and, and that he created and, and got going, and you're like, wow. You know, so um, it, was, it was pretty cool. I had met him before, but it wasn't on that level. I read on our undefeated site that seven of your eight assistants are African American. How important is you is it for you to you to give minority coaches opportunities? Well, I think it's just getting coaches in general um, an opportunity. You know, not just not just minorities, uh, but coaches in general. And and I've been fortunate to be a head coach for a while and and been able to do that. And and uh, someone did that for me. And and so I'm always uh, looking for opportunity to help help others who who wants to get into coaching and who's committed to to uh, being great mentors to our players you know so um it's, it was um interesting that that my my staff panned out the way that it did but really when picking my staff I um I picked it on what I thought was best for our players and and guys that could be great mentors to our players because there are a lot of great coaches out there that know that know football you know but I had to to get the right fit for for what we're doing here and what we want to build I had a great conversation with Lovey Smith just a couple of years back when mm-hmm. he went to Illinois. 
about the importance and impact of young black men seeing faces that look like theirs in leadership roles on that mm-hmm. sideline and how mm-hmm. it impacted him with Tony Dungy. He mm-hmm. named Coach Dungy by name. Mm-hmm. How did that impact you, Willie? Um, I think it's, it's, it's critical, not only just coaches that look like you, but who probably grew up and went through some of the things that you went through. I mm-hmm. think when you when you see coaches like that and you see them successful as a young person, um, it, it inspires you to do more and it, and it inspires you to say, hey, I can do this, you know. And to be honest with you, that to me, that's what a lot of young people need is just someone to put their arms around and, and inspire them to, to, to be all they can be. You know, I, I just think about myself and and what Jack Harbaugh uh, and Jim Harbaugh did for me and inspired me to uh, do the things that I've done and throughout my career. So um, I think that's that's coaching, and I think, uh, again, as, as young minorities, seeing others like them is just more of a, a comfort zone, you know. But I, I do think no matter what um, – what race you are, uh, these 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 kids want someone that's going to care about them, put their arms around them, and and, and love them, you know, and, and also um, hold them accountable to doing what they say they want to do. I love that you mentioned the Harbaugh's. I got all kind of questions about them. We'll get to that in just a minute. All right. First, is DeAndre Francois healthy? Um, he is. Uh, I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but I would say probably around about eighty percent. He's running now. Um, he's out running and doing things uh, with the team and and. That's good because spring ball he wasn't he wasn't necessarily running, uh, but he's he's running and cutting and, and doing things with the guys now. So um, he's he's right on track. He's one of the toughest kids I've ever seen. I mean, he'll stand in there and take a shot in the chin. How vital is he to your success in 2018? You think? Well, um, I think if if he's going to be the guy, you know, he's 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 battling uh, with with James Blackman, who who is another tough kid, and and and. Um, who played a lot last year, and, and, and Bailey Hockman. Those guys are done some good things this spring. But um, if he's the guy, I think whoever the guy is in, in that position is is critical to our success and in, in, in what we want to be. You know, um, I know we inspired to win championship, win the ACC championship, and, and get in the playoff and, uh, and win it all. But it's going to take having having – the right guy at that position that's going to lead this football team, not just the offense, but the entire football team. So um, that's that's what we're looking for, and they all have the ability um, athletically to get it done. Is now who can who can manage and and, and help lead the team to um, to um, to a lot of wins. So let's let's talk hardballs now, man. I'm fascinated by that family, and I've spent a ton of time with Jim the past two springs in Paris and Rome. We went over the pond with them there for for the, basically the entire time with the Michigan group, and I would love to spend some time chatting with you about them since you're a hardball expert. He takes a like Coach Jim takes a ton of grief for his recruiting wackiness. He recruited you. He walks into your house all those years ago when he was at Western Kentucky, mm-hmm. and he recruit. What is it like to be personally recruited by Jim Harbaugh? Um, it's, it's awesome. I mean, when Jim is recruiting you, he put all of his attention into you, and um, you can tell that it's genuine. You know, everyone would say that it's wacky, uh, and it's not. It's just different. <laughs> you know, it's different than what everyone else does. And um uh, but it's genuine, and, and again, you can relate to him, and, and and you appreciate him being being real and honest, and being who he is. You know, um, it's really it's not any wackiness to what he does, and um, it's it's unique, and it's and it's different. I talked to Jim about you actually last year in Italy uh, for a piece that one of my colleagues was doing for the magazine or something, mm-hmm. and he said you're like a brother to him and John and a mm-hmm. son to Jack. You're mm-hmm. like the other Harbaugh brother. Mm-hmm. How would you describe yeah. your bond with that family? 
my wife called me Jason. She said, you got John, you got Jack, you got Joni, and you're Jason Harbaugh. <laughs> you, know, you know, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, um, they're everything to me. You know, um, they helped me grow into the man that I am today and, and the coach that I am today. Um, they, they've been a great mentor um, to me. I tell everyone to this day, ever since I met that family, my life been going nowhere but up. And uh, and they really inspired me to, to get into coaching. You know, I just looked at the way they helped change my life and felt like I can do that to a lot of other young men out there. And uh, I'm in debt to that family. Um, they they everything to me. And again, but I think that's that's part of coaching and, and how you can inspire young people. And that's what they they've done for me. And uh, they're winners. And uh, I always say, um, Jim and John and Joni, they're my sisters and brothers from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> Expound on that for me, though. You, you said that they led you to be great. What specifically about their, that relationship led you to? What did they do that was so impactful? Um, they they always knew what I wanted. You know, I had no idea how to go about getting it. And 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 Jack Harbaugh playing for him, he always um, took the time to sit around and talk to me, not just about football, but but life in general, and not just Jack. Um, Jackie Harbaugh, his wife, you know. Um, she helped out and, 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 and spent time with me. And it was really like a father-son thing. And, um, and, and, and Jim, I mean, whenever I needed a phone call, I can call and he'll pick up, you know, or, or he'll just call a check on me, you know. And I can remember being at, at Western Kentucky, and I'm there, and I call home, or my mom called me. She's like, guess who's over here? And I'm like, who is that? And it's Jim Harbaugh, and they, he's at the family cookout. You know, <laughs> that's pretty cool, you know. But uh, they just – they always been there, uh, no matter what it was. Um, whether it's uh, trying to, if I needed advice from a career standpoint, they they've always been there, and I've never um, not consulted them when it came to that. And and um, or whether there's anything personal, they're they're always been there for me. And and, and um, again, it's just been genuine. I mean, my my father passed, and uh, they were there for my mom, you know, and and that was awesome. I was all I was in Oregon and. They came down and, and saw my family, so that was big time. Um, but they, their family. They actually came to Florida to yes. see your mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Who all came? Um, I know Joni and and uh, Jack and, and uh, Jackie and, and Tom Cream. Uh, they were all there. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is a that is wonderful. You know, and and Jim. Now you got to understand that Jim was the best man in my wedding too, and uh, was in his wedding. He's that's my guy. I, okay, I have to know what the Jim Harbaugh best man speech sounds like. Is it is it done with enthusiasm unknown to mankind, Willie Taggart? Uh, everything Jim does <laughs> is, is with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. You know, uh, I don't remember really the, the 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 speech that well, but I can remember standing up at the altar and. Uh, and my bride to be was coming through the door. They opened the door and everyone stood up and it's like everything got quiet and, and my heart dropped. And Jim was standing behind me. And he was whispering to me. He's like, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to do this? I got the car running in the back right now. <laughs> and I tell you what, it was it was much needed at the time because I was hyperventilating at the time. And he kind of made me feel at ease. At it. But it was it was pretty funny. <laughs> I have enjoyed so much getting to know him uh, during those trips overseas. And I have seen personally 
the impact he's having on those young men. I've mm-hmm. seen the way personally that they react to him. So mm-hmm. the criticism that quote, you know, he's not winning and all of these other mm-hmm. things, I just think it's crap. That's just my uh, opinion. I would love to know your opinion of how your best man is doing at Michigan. Uh, I think he's doing a great job, you know. Um, you know, you hear people talking about Michigan a lot, a lot more than what it was before and um and, and he's winning, you know. He hadn't won the championship yet and, and that's coming, you know, but I think he's putting things in place to, to not only win but win consistently and, and um get it to where um everyone at Michigan wanted to be and um I think we all know he's the right man for the job and um he's he's gonna get it to where everybody wanted to be up there in Ann Arbor and um and um he's a winner. <laughs> you can't tell he's not, he's a winner and um it it'll be fine. You started for four straight years at quarterback at Western Kentucky. What is the benefit of having actually played the position when you're coaching young men? Um, I think it's, it's critical because you see the game from the same the same um, angle that the, the quarterback sees it from. You know, um, when you're not back there, it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, it's easy to watch film and – and say uh, you do this and you do that, but um, when you're actually behind the center and taking a sap and seeing guys running at you, it's it's a little different, you know, just the way you see the game, you know. But also, um, I think from a from a leadership standpoint and and understanding how you you got to lead and understanding how everyone look at you, that helps too, and and, and molding quarterbacks into what they and what they need to be. Because uh, nine times out of ten, um, you recruit a kid here, he has the athletic ability to, to get it done. But it, I think um, the leadership and, and, and those things, the way they, they um, get the team to play for them is, is something that's learned, and you got to help teach them and, and, and get them to that point. And that's when you, you have the great ones. Speaking of recruiting, it's interesting these days you have to show the kid you care, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's a major part of it. Mm-hmm. And I read where at this camp recently the kid the the kids had no lunch. So you find out that the kids had like they get a free T shirt but they don't get any lunch. <laughs> so you buy them three days, four days worth of lunch. Why was that important for you to do that? Well, um, I was I was out at camp myself and I took picture with every single one of the campers and it was pretty hot out there and um, um, I saw the way they were working and grinding and all and I was pretty hungry myself and wanted to know what the <laughs> lunch was and. <laughs> figured out there was no lunch and like you're kidding me we gotta have some lunch here uh the way these kids are working and, and getting after it but uh again it just goes back to doing what's right and and that was the right thing to do when you look at the acc right now uh there are some really good football teams and mm-hmm. there are some elite coaches that you're going to be competing against every single weekend mm-hmm. in year one what what is a legitimate goal sheet for you in year one um it's to win the conference you know um i think that's that's the goal um, for for being here at Florida State is you you, you want to win the conference and, and you should be competing for a conference championship year in and year out you know so um, if you ask me that would um, that would what it be for me. Well, we wish you the best, brother. I can't thank you enough for your time, your insight, your storytelling. It's awesome to get to spend the time with you, and I wish you the absolute best. I'll be down there in Tally soon, brother. I'll come now, see you. I, I appreciate you having me on and. Uh, Go nose and have a great day if you want to, Marty. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. All right, buddy. My favorite part of that conversation is the impact that the Harbaugh family had on Coach Taggart because it's such a wonderful example of the lifelong impact of love, compassion, belonging. The way that that makes you feel when you're part of something, it sticks with you forever. 
And I love to hear how their love and appreciation for Coach Taggart has stuck with him. The Marty Party's coming up in just a second. I'm going to bring in my boy Ryan McGee from ESPN the Magazine. And, of course, he and I have Marty and McGee radio together every Saturday morning, 7 to 9 Eastern on ESPN Radio. I want to chat with you guys about Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready in the bathroom every day. You guys know I live on the road. I'm in Paris one minute. I'm in the Grand Canyon the next minute. I'm in New York City the next minute. On and on. All over the world all the time. Heading to Seattle at the end of this week. Dollar Shave Club goes with me. They make sure that I have all the tools necessary to look at least remotely halfway decent on your television in high definition. That's a full-time job getting this mug ready. But Dollar Shave Club is my partner, and they do the best job. Dollar Shave Club, yes, that Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You name it. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a butt wipe that leaves your tush feeling tingly clean. I'm a huge fan of their shave butter. Use it every single time I trim up this beard. It's the best shave butter I've ever had. I absolutely love it. Use it every day. I'm also a fan of their amber and lavender calming body cleanser. I never smelled so good. Laney likes it too. Good luck finding a product that great at the store. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You'll feel the difference, trust me. And the best part is the free shipping you get with your membership. Here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club products. For just 5 bucks, you can get their Daily Essential Starter Set. It comes with Body Cleanser, One Wipe Charlies, those amazing butt wipes I talked about a minute ago, their world-famous Shave Butter, and their Best Razor, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for just a few bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need for the bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. And now, fire it up. It's time for the Marty Party. What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Marty Party. You've met Coach Taggart. You've spent time with him in person out at Oregon. What, what story can you tell us that really encapsulates why he can be successful? Well, he can be successful because, you know, you look at what he's built. And, you know, he went to Western Kentucky, which was a complete mess when they had jumped to, to – the top level of college football and had struggled a little bit and he got it turned around pretty quick and then he went to south florida and their first year he was there i think they were two and ten and that's really where i established a little bit of a relationship with him because i think i've told you this i write you know i write the bottom 10 for espn.com and i kind of end up with these connections with these coaches because they're kind of in on the joke you know they know that it's not mean and they kind of actually liked the publicity a little bit. And so, you know, I had a whole thing going in the bottom ten that year with uh, that line from Blazing Saddles, more beans, Mr. Taggart. I kept doing that every week. And he, I'm sure he'd heard that before, but he had a good, good – he, he just – he understood it was a joke. And I always – I liked that in coaches. His last year they went 10-2 and two and, and went to a bowl game and won a bowl game. And then he took the Oregon job. And I went out there, and, and I just was curious with Oregon – about what's the goal? Are you dug in for a long time? And I really believed when he told me that he would be there for a while that he meant it. But when the Florida State job comes open, you got to take it. It was also his dream. I mean, he you know he said it there in the podcast that he grew up a Florida State fan. 
His old man was a Florida State fan. And so when your childhood dream is right there for the taking, you know you're going to be able to get tremendous talent. They always have one of the top recruiting classes because, you know, Jimbo did a great job recruiting there, Jimbo Fisher, the previous coach, and Bobby Bowden uh, before him set the standard uh, in college football for many years. And I really enjoyed hearing Coach Taggart discuss why it was so important for him to reestablish the Bobby Bowden legacy to make sure that coach knew hey man show up at practice hey man i want you to be here because you know he he told me there in the interview bowden didn't want jimbo to feel like he was looking over his shoulder bowden didn't want jimbo to feel like hey man because i was so successful i'm going to be looking at what you're doing i'm going to be analyzing what you're doing i'm going to be there he didn't want that but taggart made it real clear i want that I want you to tell me what you see. I want you to give me that feedback. Uh, and I found that to be so interesting. Well, and I think that you you had Lane Kiffin on last week. And as a Tennessee alum, and as someone who was a student at Tennessee when Johnny Majors was the head coach and was pushed out in a coup d'etat, it was awful. Um, it was the most painful thing for me to see Johnny Majors feel excluded. And to see him feel like he wasn't welcome at his alma mater, certainly not to the level that he had been, you know, he worked on the street that was named after him. And one of the the first things that Lane Kiffin did on his first day of the job was he and his father, Monty Kiffin, found Johnny Majors and said, here's a key card. If you want an office, you've got one. And you can come here anytime you want. And as someone who's known Johnny Majors my entire adult life, it changed him. It turned him back into the old coach that we all loved. I see this. I think the same thing's going to happen with Bobby Bowden. And Bobby Bowden was trying to give Jimbo some room. He also was bitter. I mean, he was pushed out is how he ended up feeling, even though it was a head coach in waiting and all that stuff. So all you need to know about how much Taggart loves that program, you're exactly right, is he's like, all right, coach, I want you around as much as possible. To me, it, it, it resonated with me just like it resonated with you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking into Dale Murphy's living room and sitting down and having a conversation with that person, someone that you knew respected your body of work and that you wanted to make sure that per, that, 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 that hero of yours and that titan in your mind felt welcomed and you, that they knew that you wanted them to be present and to be vocal? I would be so nervous if I walked into Michael Jordan's living room and sat down and had a conversation with Michael Jordan. I just would. And, you know, Taggart, Taggart kind of discussed that that he was nervous when he met Coach Bowden for the first time. And you can understand why, man, because you hold them like they're on this pedestal, man. Those, those heroes are, are, are so lofty in your mind's eye about because of their impact on your life. You and I talk all the time about going back to our, you know, 12 year old selves and saying, you ain't going to believe this, but you're going to get to do this, or you're going to have a relationship with this person, or you're going to have the the opportunity to participate in so-and-so. And I love it when you know, they, you know, they love it as much as we do when you hear Willie Taggart react like he did to sitting in a room with Bobby Bowden. And, you know, there's that disconnect sometimes where we as, as fans, want the athletes and the coaches we want them 
to just love it as, as much as we do and to feel emotionally connected to it like we do. And a lot of times they don't. Most of the time they don't. But when it comes to a guy like this and you hear him feel the same way, man, I, you feel like you're sitting in there with him because you're exactly right. That's exactly how we would feel if we were in that situation. I, I'll tell you a quick story. Guys, McGee's heard this story before. Travis has heard this story before, but it's a funny one. When I was probably from seventh grade or sixth grade all the way through high school, college, even now, Michael Jordan is one of those people for me that is on the pedestal. He is – I've never been more captivated with an athlete than I was Michael. And in 2013, I think it was 2013, ESPN was in the process of putting together a bid to buy the newest NBA television rights package, which we ultimately won. And they sent – our boss has decided to send a reporting team to every single NBA game on opening night. Uh, I guess that's 15 games. There's 30 teams, right? I think there's 30 teams. Right. So 15 games. They sent 15 reporting teams out all over the league, all over the country, and they gave myself and a producer with whom I've worked often every weekend when we did NASCAR full-time, Andrea Pelkey. They sent Andrea and me – to Hornets Bucks at the Hive in Charlotte. It was the first game back as the Hornets. They were no longer the Bobcats. They're the Hornets again. City's buzzing, quite literally. And like it was a really cool moment. So we report all day long. They're playing the Bucks. It's Jabari Parker's first game with the Bucks. Kimba Walker hits a game winner from 40 feet to win the first game back as the Hornets in the Hive. It's it's awesome. We interviewed Jabari Parker in the Bucks locker room. It was like his dog died. I'm like, listen, kid, I know you're not used to losing, but there's 81 more of these, man. Like, don't, don't let losses, I mean, they should hurt, but don't, don't let them hurt you this bad. So we walk out of the Bucks locker room and we're waiting on the Hornets locker room to open. Uh, I'm standing out in the hallway in the bowels of the, uh, what was the Time Warner Cable Arena. It's now what Spectrum Center, I think. Mm-hmm. And yep. we're waiting on the locker room to open, right? And there's all these local Charlotte reporters out there. Some other national reporters are out there. And I am in my phone. I am texting Laney. What do you want me to bring? I'll go get some dinner. I'll bring dinner home. I should be out of here within the next 30 minutes or so. What do you want me to get? And all of a sudden, the air completely changes. And I look up and to my left from my phone screen, and there's a hand coming at me. And that hand is Michael Jordan's hand. And I reach out my hand, and I shake his hand, and he said, Marty, brother, thank you so much for being here tonight. It's awesome for us that you took the time to come out and cover the team tonight. We appreciate you. Great to see you. And I was so starstruck. I went, (laughs) thanks, MJ. I didn't know what else to say. Like total... (laughs) Total, total dweeb moment. Like, total nerd out fanboy moment. And I'll never forget it, though. Like, I, it, I want, the that's guy. the one guy. The like, guy. people ask right. me a lot. You and I have interviewed everybody, right? From, you know, you've just done this amazing book with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, I, you know, have had the great opportunity to interview guys like Ronaldo and Tiger Woods and, Nick Saban and all these titans of sport. 
But that's the one guy that will not. I, I, Mike, sit down with me, man. I want that one. Wright Thompson did an unbelievable story on Michael a couple of years ago. Yeah, the uh, I got an assist on that one because Michael wouldn't do an interview with me, and then the Hornets. <laughs> uh, really, I was do, I, so I spent I spent months trying to get this interview with Michael, and he's going to be more involved in the front office, and you know he's never been a great executive, and that's well documented, and uh, and so the story came out, and the Hornets weren't super happy about it. Bobcats at the time, I think, and they were like. The folks from over there call and they go, "Hey, listen, uh, why why wasn't there much Michael in this piece?" I'm like, "Cause I asked for an interview for ten times and you kept saying no." And so they were, "Well, next time there's a story, you know, you let us know and you get whatever you want. And, you know, we apologize and this is not how we like to do things, whatever." Well, a few months later, Wright Thompson calls. He goes, "Hey, man, I'm coming to Charlotte. Let's get together and." I'm going to try to do this Michael Jordan story. Hey, let me get you in touch with this guy. He said anything we need. So I keep telling Wright that uh, I, to me it's the greatest story he, he's written for us. And uh, I wonderful. keep telling him I, I just I, I should get the little thing at the bottom that says Ryan McGee also contributed to this. And you can put in parentheses by being turned down repeatedly. Well, I appreciate you contributing to this podcast, son. I'm going to have to rename you know it. it. Marty Smith and McGee's America. Just put me in parentheses. That's fine. Yeah, uh, that's it. Hey, you can be a parenthesis. Yeah. That'd be good. You can, I, that's you fine. Can, uh, I got no problem. I'm parenthetical. That's fine. Pre- parenthetical McGee. That's very good. Now, if any, if you guys know anything about the Marty McGee program every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 Eastern, uh, you know that we like rednecks. And that has transferred its way over to the Marty Smith's America podcast by way of the Hillbilly Hotline. What we got this week, Travis? Words, sayings, or just a way of life? Roman candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. Hi, Marty. This is one. I just heard this in the break room at my work, so I got to share it. This is a redneck saying, apparently, that I've never heard, and I'm 29, and I thought I heard them all. So this lady that works where I work, at this laminate place, she's uh, ain't the biggest, but ain't the smallest. But she's a nice lady regardless. <laughs> and we were talking about something or other at work, something that just wasn't working out. I think it was some part or something that had broken or it just wasn't worth nothing. And she looked at me and said, honey, that there ain't worth boo-hoo in a Baja bush. And I kind of sat there for a second. I was like, I was trying to assess the situation. I was like, I don't quite know what boohoo is. I mean, I think of boohoo and I think of, you know, crying. Yeah. I don't know what a Baja bush is either. So maybe you can, you and McGee or whoever can impart some wisdom on me. What in God's name does boohoo and a Baja bush mean? I thought I'd heard it all, but I clearly have not heard it all hearing this one can you help thank you i will say i will say uh that's a new one to me yeah. boohoo in a baja bush boo-hoo in a baja bush. I, i've never heard of a baja bush either right uh but my presumption is is that it's a play on words that uh boohoo is in fact not the same thing as baja and so therefore they cannot symbiotically coexist I I believe you're right. I have driven through a Baja bush at the Baja 1000 in a truck, uh, and there were My no Uber drivers. Drove it. through one. 
there were no boo-hoos in the bush. The, the Baja bush might have screamed boo-hoo as we drove through it in a, in a 200-mile-an-hour trophy truck. But, yes, I believe you are correct in that the boo-hoos and the Bajas aren't that important as it just is that they don't really fit. They don't belong. You know that's yeah. a saying that's been passed down through that lady's family, right? That's, that's how it started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she passed it down to the break room at the laminate factory. And now it's on the podcast, and we're spreading the word. To Marty Smith's America. Parentheses well, McGee. And parentheses me, McGee. And par- 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 parenthetical McGee. That's going to be my segment on the show. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for hanging out, son. I appreciate Always, you. brother. Always. And uh, I can't thank Travis enough. Without him, I can't make this show. Great job getting Willie Taggart. I appreciate Louise Cornetta for being crazy enough to let us put this thing out, disseminate it to the world. Thank you so much to Kalo. Go to Kalo.com. Get your rings. Thank you so much to Dollar Shave Club. Go to DollarShaveClub.com and order the items that keep you looking your best. And above all, thank you guys. Without you guys, I can't do it. There's no reason to do it, and I appreciate it. You guys should call us. Marty, what's you the number? Call. What's, what's the number they should call? Eight six zero three one five sixteen fifteen. Nope. Eight six zero five one six one three one five. Eight six zero five one six thirteen fifteen. All right, there's your number. I can never remember it. Thank God I have Travis to keep me between the ditches. You guys call. Tell us your best redneck stories. You're going to end up on the Marty Smith America podcast. I mean, look, we all learned this week about boohoo's and bahas. I want you guys to bushes. find a way to get that saying into the show next week. Oh, trust me, it's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to go look. I'm going to go Google what a Baja bush is. It probably has berries on it. God bless America. We live in the greatest country in the world. Y'all have a great week.